0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.
1: You know who I can do without? You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Feed with Mike and Mark.
0: Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike?
1: Not too bad. How about yourself?
0: Good. We've had a good week here. Uh, The network keeps building. I don't know other things that I always say at the beginning of the show. Um, We are part of the Big Heads Media Network. Uh, Go to bigheadsmedia.com, I guess, if you want to listen to... I don't know why you want to listen to other podcasts, but if you wanted to listen to other ones... There are ones there now. Definitely go and support uh, our brethren at BigHeadsMedia.com. And find us uh, online. It's been pointed out to me that some people may not hear our call to action or whatever the hell they call it at the end of the show. So um, if uh, you don't ever hear that, you can tell friends about this show and find us at Massive late Fee at late underscore Mike. At retro underscore late fee uh, at the copycat at at, uh, Carol under a cat at late underscore Carol.
1: Oh, I changed my Twitter name, by the way. (laughs)
0: What is it?
1: I think it's massive late Mike.
0: Okay, so you just didn't want to be like Carol.
1: Oh, no, just uh, I, I finally figured out how to do it. Oh, okay. Looking forward to your new uh, Twitter name, Carol. (laughs) Oh, Massive Late Fee Mike is what it is.
0: There you go. I'm sure that she'll be... I'm sure she'll just be Massive Late Fee Carol, even though the show that she hosts with me is called Retro Late Fee. Right. Uh, So, news today. As always, we do this for you, because we don't care. Um, There's a new trailer for Angel Has Fallen a Gerard Butler movie where he fights for freedom. Have you heard anything about this movie?
1: Is that like the uh, Olympus has fallen movie? Is it like a, like a sequel or something? It is. I I didn't think those movies were that popular.
0: I didn't either, but apparently, you know, there, there was Olympus has fallen and white house down. And I guess Olympus has fallen is the one that was popular for whatever reason, even though they were nearly identical films.
1: So I was reading about that the other day, like how like there's a lot of like almost like twin movies, like, you know, where they're like, they're very similar plots that come out in the same year, like uh, K-9 and Turner and Hooch is one of them. Right. Like, I wonder I, this, I mean, what, just like uh, people just come up with the exact same, very similar idea. And that's very odd to me. I wonder how much of that is just outright theft or what. I mean, I'm sure a big studio can churn out like a, uh, you know, copycat pretty easily. It
0: is weird, because a lot of them do come out in the same year, or or within a year of each other, or they were in production at the same time, even if they, you know, one takes longer, or whatever, like Deep Impact and Armageddon is another one that comes to mind.
1: Yeah, that was one of them that was on the list, too.
0: It's just so weird to me. But uh, Angel has fallen, I guess, uh, is someone trying to take over hell? I, I
1: I don't Los, know. Los Los Angeles maybe? Is it like I, I don't oh, even yeah, Olympus probably. isn't Olympus like a code name in the first one?
0: Yeah, it's a code name for the White House.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. Maybe it's like uh London or something. I, I don't know. London
0: was the second one. This is the third one.
1: Oh, okay. Um shit, I don't know.
0: You should work for uh studios. I do think that it might be Los Angeles. I don't know. Uh who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of deep impact though, Morgan Freeman is in this movie as the president again.
1: Oh, well that's good. Good for I, him. It's, I mean good for him to make a paycheck. Right.
0: Yeah. Lord knows he does enough films.
1: Yeah, I mean he's definitely earned the right to do a bunch of shitty movies for, you know, cash.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like Some, Dreamcatcher.
0: some sometimes I can't sometimes I can't blame them. You know, like, uh, if they just back the Brinks trup- truck up to your driveway. I mean, it's fiscally irresponsible to not do the movie.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's just very weird. Like, uh, like, some of the... I mean, like, the movie Dreamcatcher, how... I mean, I don't understand how that was even made. I mean, I know it's a Stephen King, you know, joint or whatever, but... Oh, that is such a bad movie.
0: It is terrible. Yeah, often I'll watch a movie and I think to myself, "Who like who thought at any point in the in the process of writing the screenplay, directing the movie, actors on the on the set, that they thought they were doing something good?"
1: I don't get it. I I don't know. Yeah, I really. I mean, that's like the first day. You're like, "Oh no, what did I set up for you?"
0: Yeah. Uh, speaking of oh no, what did I sign up for? I wonder if the uh, gay lover in <laughs> in Rocket Man <laughs> thought that when they did the first sex scene, uh, Rocket Man has been banned in Samoa because of uh, its gay scenes. I didn't understand. I didn't know that Samoa was so up in arms against homosexuality, but I guess they are.
1: I don't even think they wear shirts over there, do they?
0: Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Shirtless and and with uh, puka shell necklaces, right? That's Savala. yeah, I guess. I don't. Uh, I've never. I haven't seen the movie. I know that it's a, a Taron Egerton from Kingsman's in it as Elton John, and I guess it's supposed to be. I don't know. Okay, um, but yeah, I guess there's a lot of gay sex in it, which you know it's Elton John, so you kind of got to expect that.
1: Yeah, I would. I would think so.
0: But, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. I guess it's controversial, yeah, though Taron Edgerton has, has uh, refused to comment on the quote-unquote scandal that I didn't know about until I opened up Screen Rant and read this story.
1: You think they just, like, uh, gave some money to, like, somebody from Simone, like, hey, uh, can you protest this? We need a little bit of publicity.
0: Yeah, no kidding. That I wonder about that sometimes when, uh, when movies like this come out and they get protested it's like who cares
1: and then the uh the headline is uh, neither of the movie theaters in samoa will be playing rocket man
0: <laughs> right that's i was just thinking that too when they if they do something like that you know they have a board meeting where they're they're mapping out different territories and it's like okay You know, this will help our box office and other places, but, you know, obviously we can't ban it in China or, you know, any place that has a huge amount of people. So what will what will maximize our bottom dollar?
1: I mean, you you know, they just like watch like the rock movies on loop there anyway. So, I mean, what does it matter if they're if they're, you know, boycotting something or not? (laughs)
0: Yeah, um that uh, rampage movie still playing uh, on a loop there and uh I don't
1: know. It's it's uh, like the uh, the experience that um uh, Braveheart was for the people in Scotland like uh, they're like you know cheering in the aisles and like a uh, mm-hmm. you know raising their hands in victory when he beats up the uh, you know the lizard man or whatever.
0: Yeah, great job for Scotland to become completely independent from the United Kingdom too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess there's new scenes from, or, or on-set pictures from Rambo Last Blood. I just, I don't, I don't get this. Who,
1: who's asking for this movie?
0: So, I think Sylvester Stallone's agent was the only one that wanted this movie made.
1: It's like, it's like well, I like the original Rambo, but he wasn't old enough.
0: <laughs> no kidding.
1: Yeah, like, like, oh, he's getting there. I want a 70-year-old man to walk around uh, shooting people.
0: I want them to, to to bring the corch the corpse of Richard Krenna back to life uh and uh trot him out for this movie. Why not? Oh god. So yeah, apparently uh I don't know, he's shooting people in Mexico. So, you know, it, it echoes real life. Thanks, Rambo. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care about the Rambo movie at all. The first I one don't... was okay.
1: I don't think I care about any, uh, so I've never seen a Sylvester Solo movie that I liked.
0: Ooh, ooh. I like, um, <laughs> you know, Oscar. you'll make fun of, it. I, I've seen, Stop Oscar. My mom shoot. now you'll make fun of me for this, but I like, uh, Demolition Man.
1: Oh, actually, no, I do like that one. That's maybe, I think, I think it's, maybe like the kinda, kinda, it's like a fun kind of, it's like a kind of fun movie, you know?
0: Yeah. So uh, in in the last bit of news here about something I know you don't care about and something I don't at all care about, uh, Disney Parks has opened some new new thing called i think it's called galaxy's edge if i'm reading this story correctly it's some sort of star wars exhibit thing that i'm never going to go to and don't care about at all but this story is titled what star wars costumes are you allowed to wear at galaxy's edge the answer should be none by the way but i'm sure you know it like you can't wear i don't know
1: Uh, Yeah, like if you're a certain age, I guess at Disney parks, you're not allowed to dress in character or whatever, which is kind of weird. But I mean, it it probably does help because, you know, there's a lot of weirdos who like would go there like a, you know, 50 year old guy dresses goofy or something. Yeah.
0: So apparently, um, oh yeah, you're right. It is an age restriction. Those over 14 years old cannot wear any full outfits. Uh which includes robes for some reason. I don't get that. I get this part. Entire body attire like stormtroopers or Wookiee costumes. Um and any military style items including body armor and knee pads, blasters and holsters, masks and headgear and face paint. I guess that you know, I guess that uh that does make it a little more safe. I mean, uh if you dressed as a stormtrooper you could just uh I don't know. Bring in a real gun? I, I don't know. You could be some sort of sex pervert. But aren't most of these Star Wars fans sex perverts anyway? <laughs> so you can't wear a full robe, but you can wear like one of those cinched-at-the-waist robe things, I guess.
1: Or what about like a Rodney Dangerfield-style uh, open robe with nothing underneath? That's not specifically banned from what you're uh, telling me.
0: That's true. Yeah, you could definitely do that. You could come as Obi-Wan on his day off uh with just the uh you know, the twins and uh Mr. Frank hanging out. Um I guess it's probably about concealment cuz you could conceal things underneath uh this kind of attire, I guess. I don't know. Does that mean everything needs to be form fitting?
1: I don't know. I don't think you want that with that crowd.
0: We have to see everyone's dick print. Uh oh, all right. Where are we going now? Oh, educating Mike. That's right. That's the segment we do now. Um. So, educating Mike this week. I I looked for a really bizarre one, and it does sort of hook up a little bit into what we're talking about today. But I think you're gonna like this. This is uh, <laughs> this is weird as fuck. Are you familiar with the 1974 film Zardoz? <laughs> Starring uh, Sean Connery and Sh- I've, I've, Charlotte Rampling. I've,
1: I've heard of it, but I've never watched it or anything.
0: So here's the plot of Zardoz: in a future post-apocalyptic Earth, in the year 2293. Smart idea to put it, you know, at a point where they'll all be dead. Too many, too many science fiction movies from the 70s were like in 1999. Uh, The human population is divided into immortal Eternals and mortal Brutals. The Brutals live in a wasteland growing food for the Eternals who live apart in the Vortex, leading a luxurious but aimless existence on the grounds of a country estate. (coughs) Okay, weird. So just one estate. Uh, The connection between the two groups is through Brutal Exterminators, who kill and terrorize other Brutals at the order of a huge flying stone head called Zardoz, which supplies them with weapons in exchange for the food they collect. So, they all, like, worship a giant stone flying head, which, you know, is great, I guess. Uh, Zed, Sean Connery, a brutal exterminator, hides aboard Zardoz during one trip, temporarily killing, in quotation marks, it's Eternal Operator, Arthur Fran, played by someone named Niall Buggy. That is the most English name I've ever seen in my
1: life. it's, yeah, I think you're right.
0: It's N-I-A-L-L, Buggy. Is that, does that translate to Ford Fairlane?
1: Uh, it may, I'm not sure.
0: Arriving in the Vortex, Zed meets Two Eternals, Consuela, played by Charlotte Ramping. Not uh, For those of you not familiar with, with Charlotte Rampling, she is not uh, Spanish in any way. And May, played by uh, Sarah Kesselman. Overcoming him with psychic powers, so they also have psychic powers, they make him a prisoner and menial worker within their community. Consuela wants to de- Zed destroyed immediately. Others, led by May, and a subversive Eternal named Friend, because, you know, subtlety is for everyone else. <laughs> played by John Alderton, insist on keeping him alive for further study. I should also point out that through this entire film, uh, Sean Connery's costume is a red diaper. That's fair. So keep that in mind as we talk about this. Uh, In time, Zed learns the nature of the vortex. The Eternals are overseen and protected from death by the tabernacle in artificial intelligence Given their limited, limitless lifespan, the Eternals have grown bored and corrupt. The needlessness of procreation has rendered the men impotent. I, I don't know why, but I guess. And meditation has replaced sleep. Others fall into catatonia, forming the social stratum the Eternals have named the apathetics. That'd be me. Uh, the Eternals spend their days stewarding mankind's vast knowledge through a voice recognition-based search engine. So Google. Uh, baking special bread for themselves (laughs) from the grain deliveries and participating in communal meditation rituals. This is starting to sound oddly prophetic. Uh, To give time and it's artisanal bread that they're making. (laughs) They're just hipsters. To give give time and life more meaning, the Vortex developed complex social rules whose violators are punished with artificial aging. (laughs) The most extreme of offenders are condemned to permanent old age and the status of renegades. Eternals, who may somehow manage to die, usually through some fatal accident, are then reborn into another healthy, synthetically reproduced body that is identical to the one they just lost. Well, that's good for them, I guess. Um... Zed is less brutal and far more intelligent than the internals think he is. Genetic analysis reveals that he is the ultimate result of a long-running eugenics experiment devised by Arthur Fralin, who is Zardoz, who controlled the outlanders with the exterminators, thus coercing the brutals to supply the vortices with grain. Zardoz's aim was to breed a superman who would penetrate the vortex and save mankind from its hopelessly stagnant status quo. The women's analysis of Zed's mental images earlier had revealed that in the ruins of the old world, Arthur Fran first encountered Zed to le- er, first encourage Zed to learn to read, then led him to the book *The Wonderful Wizard of Oz*. Zed finally understands the origins of the name Zardoz which if you take the Z-A-R-D from Wizard and then add Oz, that's Zardoz, bringing him to a true awareness of Zardoz as a skillful manipulator rather than an actual deity. He becomes infuriated with this realization and decides to plumb the deepest depths of of this enormous mystery. As Zed divines the nature of the Vortex and its problems, the Eternals use him to fight their inter- internecine quarrels that's weird that's a latin word that means deadly that's that's churching up this uh plot line a lot uh, led by consuela the eternals decide to kill zed and a and and to age friend zed escapes and aided by may and friend absorbs all the eternals knowledge somehow including that of the vortex's origin to destroy the tabernacle Zed helps the Exterminators invade the Vortex and kill most of the Eternals, who welcome death as a release from their eternal but boring existence. A few Eternals do escape the Vortex's destruction, heading out to radically new lives as fellow mortal beings among the Brutals. Zed brings the Immortals salvation by bringing them death, which I think is the rationale of every serial killer that's ever existed. (laughs) Right. Zardoz ends, ends in a wordless sequence of images, accompanied by the somber second movement of Beethoven's Seventh Symphony, snatches of which are heard throughout the film. Consuela, having fallen in love with Zed, apparently off-screen, gives birth to a baby boy within the remains of the giant stone head. In matching green suits, they sit with the boy standing between them, who matures as they age in a series of fades. The youth leaves his parents, who take hands and grow very old, eventually decomposing into skeletons and finally vanishing. Nothing remains in in the space, but painted handprints on the wall and Zed's Webley Fosbury revolver.
1: Oh, those are cool guns.
0: Yeah, that's the gun he carries throughout the entire movie. So, yeah... Definitely weird. Um, I'm gonna do the reviews first, actually, before I do the parents guide because the parents guide is pretty is pretty interesting. Uh, so this get got a lot of really good reviews. Green diapers plus red or red diapers plus green baguettes equals lots of fun. That I don't think I'd want to date that person. Uh, I kind of liked it. 8 out of 10. I kind of liked it. (laughs) Nothing like it ever made, uh, which is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, Not for everyone. This is not your everyday science fiction. Okay. Probably not for me. Uh, Let's see. Zed, the bringer of death. Unquestionably the strangest movie ever made. (laughs) I like this one. That's my handprint on the wall there. I hope I've quoted that correctly from John Borman's audio commentary. John Borman was the director. I never understood why on earth John was doing this film at the time. I love, I love the casualness of just calling him John. Yeah. Too, by the way. <laughs> what about the seventies made him do so? I mean, I can guess: cocaine, heroin. Uh good filmmaking. Mm, okay, not just or not just a classic, a cult maker. So it makes cults. That's good. So parents guide, sex and nudity. Uh, Cleavage is shown regularly. Oh, wait, no, that's the wrong one. Um, In Zardoz's head, there are topless men and women wrapped in plastic. And then it has a question mark after it. As if even the parents guide (laughs) is like, what am I even writing? A topless woman is shown riding a horse. Uh, The pyramid structure has photos, again, a question mark, of nude men and women on the ceiling. Avalo feels up Zed. Okay. I think that was probably in in Sean Connery's contract. (laughs) Well, woman's got to feel me up if I'm going to be in this movie.
1: Or not. I mean, you can't uh, can't resist Sean Connery, am I right? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: There are several nude male sculptures and one nude female mannequin shown. Okay. Uh, I guess it's kind of sex. I guess. A slideshow is shown featuring various paintings and photos of sexuality. Zed is shown a... Big? Yeah. Zed is shown a porno, which features a woman massaging her breasts. All right. So they're taking care of him, I guess. Uh, Zed is shown a video of of nude female mud wrestling. May and Consuela are shown topless. Avalo is shown topless during the orgy scene. (laughs) I can't believe they didn't open with this. During the orgy scene, three couples are shown having sex. Two of the women and one man are topless. No one is seen bottomless. Like like the best orgies. No one is bottomless. Right. May is shown topless during the osmosis scene. I have no idea what that is. I know what osmosis is, but I don't know what the osmosis scene is. Consuela is shown nude giving birth, and then in parentheses, shot from the side. So I guess it's tasteful. Uh, Consuela is shown topless while breastfeeding. Consuela's son is shown topless during four stages of life.
1: Okay.
0: Violence and gore. Multiple acts of gun and sword violence. Multiple assaults, including one sexual assault. Uh,
1: wait, wait, wait! I just, I just let that one slip by me. Four stages of life. What the fuck does that mean?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. I guess baby, childhood, uh... in
1: in utero, maybe is that they show him yeah. topless in utero? They could. didn't put a shirt on the uh, fetus. It could be.
0: He should have that uh, that Charlie Brown striped shirt while he's in utero.
1: The, uh, are you familiar with the uh, comedian uh, Doug Stanhope? Yes. He was talking about like uh, how he thought how he, how he liked to mess with people and like usually what he does is he just goes more extreme. Mm-hmm. So, like when it, there's like somebody who like had like you know how you see those like anti abortion ads that like show like a fetus and that kind of stuff? Right. Or like you and he, he sent them like a like a letter saying how dare you have these fetuses be nude. You should at least put some kind of clothes on them or something. That's awesome. Like just to out just to out be offended by somebody. <laughs> That's hilarious.
0: Oh multiple whippings. <laughs> Well, it is a Sean Connery movie, so there's going to be some slapping.
1: Whipping teenage baby. Uh,
0: one of the exterminators cuts a person's throat. They just put this in here, like they just this is they just lay this right in here in the middle of this. Zed rapes a woman, and what? Then, and then in parentheses, not graphic. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen the phrase. Rapes gra- a woman and then not graphic right next to it.
1: How does it like how does it happen they go to a room and then like they come out like you were I was raped, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. He was very polite about it.
1: Uh so, by the way, did you rape me the other day? Yeah.
0: <laughs> At some point, Zed rapes a woman. That's our hero, by the way. Uh in impalement I wouldn't call him a hero. Right. During the Orgy scene, this is a big scene in the movie. Uh, a woman is shown with a slit throat.
1: <laughs> but she has her pants on. Don't worry about that right, part.
0: Right. During the orgy scene. Ugh. No drugs or alcohol, and apparently no frightening or intense scenes.
1: Well, that's good.
0: Oh, violence and gore. This is under violence. Zed in Consuela's skeletons are shown. But they died of natural causes and they decomposed. That's kind of the opposite of violence.
1: Yeah, it's it's not violent at all.
0: Oh God! So that is Zardoz, the 1974 classic. If you have an inkling, uh, check it out. I guess <laughs> I don't know. But now, Mike, you know what Zardoz is.
1: And now I know.
0: All right. So let's do let's do our new game, our new segment, where we each look up a movie uh, on the Parents Guide on IMDb, and we. Try to get the other one to guess what it is with the most, uh, the most vanilla things we can find.
1: Yeah, we don't have a name for this game. Uh, I thought uh, we had some ideas, but I think they were stolen for other things. So uh, yeah. So there's that. Do you want to go first, Mark? Yeah, since uh, I went first. I'll
0: go first. So here's maybe the most like just nondescript thing in the world. This is under sex and nudity. One scene of sex, no nudity in this film. Okay. You want to take a guess?
1: Super bad. Nope.
0: That is a very good guess, though.
1: Wouldn't it be great if I guessed right?
0: That that was an excellent guess, because I'm pretty sure there is one scene of sex in that movie, and there is no nudity in that film.
1: All right, here's a, here's a vague one for you, and it's hilarious, too. This is under profanity, moderate. Two of five found this moderate. There are two uses of F, asterisk, CK, so, you know, they don't actually spell out fuck. Right. Uh, five, u- five uses of shit, five uses of bitch, three uses of ass, one use of piss, one use of bastard, and one use of boobs. There are also five uses of hell, two uses of damn, one use of crap, one use of G's. I don't know how that's a uh, profanity. <laughs> And, 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 the, and the, this one at, at the end is the best. And 24 uses of the Lord's name in vain. Wow. Uh, I, wonder who wrote, I wonder what uh, religion the person that wrote that one was. Right, no kidding.
0: Uh, Mallrats.
1: No, but not a terrible guess. But it, <laughs> yeah, I can't go into it anymore. In fact, disregard the comment. It makes- okay. Um.
0: Uh, let's see. Okay, here's another sort of vague one. Um, I guess I could do here. I'll, <laughs> this might—I don't know. The, uh, I don't think this will give it to you, but I'm gonna—I'm gonna risk it that this might give it to you.
1: Ooh. See, we need to get a formal point system because that'll. Because uh, I mean, there's so, like it's so weird. This is very hit and miss. I looked at a couple, and the first one I looked at was Short Circuit Two because I thought it'd be hilarious. <laughs> But but there's like one clue that doesn't mention Johnny Five in it. Yeah, and yeah. The, be- the, be- the best part of that movie is I discovered that uh, the voice of Johnny Five had top billing over Fisher Stevens. That's <laughs> <And>
0: hilarious. <laughs> Poor Fisher Stevens.
1: Yeah, uh, I he, guess
0: he offended an entire race of people for that movie.
1: And then he went out to see the dolphins. Um.
0: Of. All right. So this is very similar to the one you read me. Uh, there's some, you know, there's some things in here that I don't think it'll give it to you, but I, I guess it might. Uh, eight uses of fuck, uh, approximately 20 of shit. They, they lost count at some point. Eight, <laughs> 18 of bitch slash SOB. 10 of whore. Approximately 35 of damn slash goddamn. Nine religious exclamations. Uh, they don't say what those are. I assume just God. Uh, approximately forty of hell, three of bastard. There is also many slang terms for the human anatomy and couture: uh, ass, dick, pussy, pecker, humping.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I had an idea for a second, but I don't think this is it. Uh, my my guess was going to be dirty work, but this is not. I don't think that makes sense now.
0: Yeah, it's not dirty work. Although that would be a good one to do.
1: Is this uh, movie uh, involved two Jews and a Gentile? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't think no, so. No, no. Oh, you don't remember that? The uh, Spaceballs uh, commentary? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's right. Where you kept, like For some reason, kept it kept on repeat. It was like the first line is, two Jews and a Gentile. <laughs> oh, my God. That must seem like a really weird comment for me if you didn't know what it's talking about. Right. Uh,
0: but no, it's not Spaceballs. Okay. Hmm.
1: Let's see. Um hold on a second, I have fun with This it's a it's a it's a very delicate balance.
0: Yeah, you can eliminate any like identifying markers too. There's a there's a few um like kind of vague ones in here that I can do too, so
1: sure. A uh, a boy demonstrates with his hands that a woman has a humongous chest.
0: Hmm. A boy. Okay. So, mm, interesting. Um, hmm. Oh man, it like <laughs> your comment makes me think it's a Kevin Smith movie. <laughs>
1: I'll I'll tell you that it is not a Kevin Smith movie. Okay.
0: Let me think. A boy okay,
1: so, Like I said, my comment literally disregarded because it, it makes no sense. Okay.
0: Um, I know I've seen this scene in many movies. Um, so I just got to try to remember one where I've seen it. Um, hmm, let's say oh, uh, um, American Pie? No. Okay. So, uh, here's one. Various people drink whiskey throughout the film.
1: Well, I really have no clue what this is. Um, Billy Madison? Nope. The pause. Let's see, um, hmm... See, I haven't, I haven't seen this movie in forever. I barely remember it. I don't even know if I saw the whole thing, but I'm almost 1,000% sure you've seen this, so I don't know what clue is good and what isn't bad. Right. This one might might uh, give it away. A boy is called a penis by some raucous guys at a bar.
0: <laughs> I just love that phrasing.
1: Which just... Of uh, names you call somebody, just calling them a penis instead of a dick is somehow way funnier. Uh,
0: Adventures in Babysitting?
1: That is correct.
0: Oh my God. I can't believe I got it.
1: Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> Okay. If I may, really quick, there's a really hilarious one in here. That I, again, I don't know. This is, might be like a signature line of the movie, mm-hmm. but it's ridiculous. A, uh, a girl threatens two boys to give her no grief or they'll be, in quotes, dead, murdered, stabbed. Or the boys oh. asks, raped with a jokingly hopeful look at his face. <laughs> That's awesome. That's something you could not do in a movie today.
0: Oh. All right, let me see. Okay, I'm going to try to go to a more obvious one. Um see, that's kind of... A lot of these are really vague. Although, you know, it's been a long, long, long time since I've seen this movie. Um,
1: I think the rule is you're supposed to give the most obvious clue.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm looking for the most obvious one. Um I guess I could do this one in the opening scene. I just want to make sure that it's obvious. Um cuz it it says it's the opening scene so that might help you get it. Cuz there's like one this isn't going to be the one, but there's one that says like a man uh hallucinates and speaks about seeing men he's killed with graphic detail. That's one that I could like seem you may be getting it, but I don't think it's the most obvious. Um Yeah,
1: that doesn't help me at all.
0: So I'm going to do the the opening scene one, and I'm hoping that this is the most obvious one. It's going to be either this one or this one. In the opening scene, a man and woman are shown having sex with sounds and movement, though no nudity is shown. When they are interrupted, the woman's bare legs are shown as she puts on her dress. The interruption, a man threatening a woman with a knife... Uh, she is in a nightgown-like dress, and he is shirtless. This takes place in the brothel.
1: I I legitimately have no idea what this movie is. Like, uh, I mean, well, if you want any other clue you said was obvious, it just is not... I mean, I might not have even seen this. Wait, 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 wait. No, it's. I was saying it's not The Watchmen, because that's not correct, because that's not the opening scene.
0: A large gunfight occurs in a bar. Lots of men killed with some bloody results, e.g., a man is shot in the neck, blood clouds, a man is shot in the back, blood sprays, and so on. You see the aftermath of the shootout with a brief close up of a man covered in blood.
1: I have no idea, Mark. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't even begin to guess.
0: Oh let me see. Um how about this one? William has a slightly bloody nose after his horse throws him. No. And you've definitely seen this movie. A horse is shot.
1: Oh, William. Hmm. I say is it Bill and Ted, but I don't think it is.
0: A horse is shot. The rider has an off-screen broken leg and is shot once in the stomach afterwards with a bloody bullet wound and some blood shown on his hands.
1: I, I have. I literally have no clue as what this is.
0: Oh, is there anything else? An attack on the prostitute made the attack on the prostitute made. God damn it! I things.
1: just realized what this is. It's uh It's a uh, unforgiven. Correct. You got it. Yeah, I, I, I forgot the opening scene. I forgot that she was you know cut up in the opening scene is what it was because. I was thinking of the opening scene was when they were at the um like they show like him and like his kids, mm-hmm. but that's actually not the opening scene. So I, I had it wrong. But yeah, that's I one of my favorite movies of all time, unforgiven. How I didn't get that, even especially when you said William. I don't know, but he's just yeah. kind of vague ish. I don't know.
0: It was tough too, because there's none that it's not like short circuit or anything where they they constantly refer to the, you know, like um uh Gene Hackman or um or uh, Clint Eastwood's characters' names, and there's nothing super obvious in any of the clues, really.
1: Like yeah, it's a really th- weird movie because it could be it could be the most generic like western movie ever, but mm. it's really not. It's an amazing movie.
0: I think it's you know I think the directing and the acting is what is what sets it apart from a lot of because uh, I like you said I think I think the screenplay is sort of generic, but I think the way it's directed and the way it's acted really elevate the material. But like I said, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Probably twenty yeah, years, maybe.
1: That's it's probably close to that for me too, but maybe not as long.
0: Oh, all right. Well that is our game. We will bring it back next week. Adventures and babysitting was such a fucking good choice. I'm I so knew
1: pr- you were fond of that one.
0: I'm so proud of myself that I got it too on that on that bar one.
1: <laughs> that was pretty good actually.
0: Um, All right. So now we will move on to keeping current with Mike. Uh, This is where we plumb the depths of the online paparazzi slash entertainment news magazine things. And we try to figure out what's going on. We've been to Boss Up. We've been to the Star or I don't know, one of the UK ones. I can't remember. We've been to a lot of them. Where, Where are we going this week, Mike?
1: Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I was uh, still kind of debating it. Uh, I was, was going to go back to Bossup because I'm, uh, I'm a big fan. I started following him on Twitter. Uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, Shout out to Bossup.
0: Yeah, we love Bossup here.
1: But uh, just give me a second. I'm trying to remember if this one still exists. So just one moment, please. So I was trying to go to TMZ Sports. I don't think that's a website anymore. Oh, okay. I am familiar I just,
0: with TMZ a little bit.
1: Yeah, I just went to the regular TMZ, which I don't think we've done. Uh, so let's see what the first story
0: all right.
1: First one is Wendy Williams And this is all caps by the way I knew my new friend has record But, comma, I gotta live my life Three exclamation
0: <laughs> I knew my new friend Has record, oh so like uh, Like a prison record
1: Yeah I think she's like dating some guy Because I read or heard somewhere that she like uh, Is divorced, which uh, I mean How how some man could to let a, a gym like her slip away, I could never Figure that out myself Right. This is Um,
0: this is the woman that's famous for being on a talk show at like uh, one o'clock in the morning. Right.
1: I think it was they used to play it like at eleven. I no no it was at noon because every day like at at my work we used to have like a cafeteria type setup, Mm -hmm. and so every day like I'd be there. Fucking Wendy Williams would be on. It was like the worst show ever. It's so bad. I mean, it's if you took all the people who were in the audience and just fired them into the sun every day, every time she was on. Oh, my God. The world would be such better, such better. <laughs> she, like, oh, I hope you enjoyed the show. Here's the rocket to the sun. Right. She's 54.
0: Apparently, she has been a television host, author, fashion designer, and media personality uh, and has hosted the Wendy Williams show since 2008. She's also a New York Times bestselling author. <laughs> Okay. Jesus. So yeah, she was married to Bert. Uh, wow, uh, Gura Jory uh, from ninety four to ninety five, and then Kevin Hunter from ninety seven, and filed for divorce in two thousand nineteen. She has one child. I don't know who her friend is.
1: That's um, like some um, guy. She's like, I don't know if he's. Like actually dating or just like, you know, like uh, just like screwing around with or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was kind of funny. Not funny, but I guess he was convicted of a conspiracy to commit robbery with a dangerous weapon.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, so she knew about it. So that means it's okay.
0: So she's been in some movies too. The Cookout, The Cookout 2. She was in The Cookout as Reporter Number 2 in 2004, and The Cookout 2 as Wendy Williams as herself. Oh, no. So so apparently she gained so much fame in the seven years between The Cookout and the much-anticipated The Cookout 2 that she was able to play herself. Uh, Think Like a Man, she played Gale. In World War Z, she was in the opening sequence as herself. Uh, in Think Like a Man 2, T O O, she once again reprises her iconic role as Gale.
1: And then. She I'm going to guess right now. Is she in a Sharknado movie? <laughs> no, I wish. I'm surprised.
0: As she'll be in one, I'm sure. Uh, in 2016, she was in Mike and Dave Need Wedding Dates, which is a Zach Efron Adam Devine film. So that's good,
1: I guess. That's weird when like a movie with like two relatively big celebrities comes out and like it just goes like straight to nowhere, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like I have never heard of that movie ever, and I, I know like Zach Efron's like pretty popular and Adam Devine is from um Workaholics and I, I know a lot of people like that show, but yeah. it's just weird that it's just like you just never hear of this again.
0: It looks like Aubrey Plaza's in this movie too. Let's see.
1: i I've heard the name, I I could not tell you who that is.
0: She's uh, from Parks and Recreation.
1: See, I've never really. I started. I, I thought it might be a show I would like because I it seems similar to The Office. Um, but I, I watched like a couple episodes. I couldn't really get into it. But I've seen like clips before, and I think I know who she is now. Is that all she's in the off, or Parks and Recreation?
0: That's all I know her from. I, she's been in other movies though.
1: But I, I, I think she was. She might have been on the Eric Andre show.
0: Could be. Yeah, you know, if if I judge this movie by cast, although I'm not a huge Zac Efron fan, and I've never seen Workaholics, but but if I judge this by cast, I might actually see this movie, but the plot sounds incredibly stupid. Uh, Zac Efron, Anna Kendrick, who's also really popular, Adam Devine, Audrey Plaza, and Stephen Root, the great Stephen Root.
1: Yeah, it sounds like a movie that would be okay.
0: Yeah, I mean maybe it is. I don't like I don't know. Maybe it's uh maybe it's not bad. Um, let's see, Critical Response. It has a thirty-six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Not that I care about that. There are so many movies on Rotten Tomatoes that have bad ratings or good ratings. Most of the time it's good ratings, that I'm like, yeah, this movie is crap. Great. Uh but okay, so what's our next story?
1: Alright, this one's hilarious. Tim McGraw Tim McGraw, screw red or blue in 2020, let your conscience be your guide. Three explanations for that.
0: Okay, so I'm going to guess, although I don't know. I don't know anything about Tim McGraw's politics. Uh the only thing I know about Tim McGraw is that his dad was baseball player Tug McGraw, uh who If had- uh, if
1: you want to know anything about his uh, politics, uh look at him. <laughs> And then add a little more. I'm sorry, he said his dad was a professional baseball player?
0: Yeah, Tug McGraw. He uh, he knocked up his mom and then left and never was part of his life. Oh. Not that that's funny, but uh, yeah, that is true. Um, and he's married to Faith Hill. I know that, too.
1: He, okay, see this? I, I'll take your word for it. I'm not really sure. Is he, like, the really crazy, like, redneck, like, country guy? Isn't that him, or is that someone else? Um, I don't know Like the one who, like, you know, is, like, like super, like, aggressively, like, you know, a country singer No, I, I think, think it's him but I, I, I...
0: I think you're thinking of, um, like the one that they made fun of uh, in South Park It's like,
1: uh Yeah, I thought that was him
0: No, that's somebody else Oh, damn, what is his name? I know who you're talking about, too, but he's like, uh, or he's like, not a
1: live <laughs> Toby Keith <laughs> Toby I Keith, think. yeah Yeah, 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 okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keith, yeah, yeah That's it Apparently, Toby. Okay, me- the-
0: Apparently, Tim McGraw is a Democrat, uh, it says on Wikipedia, which is the, you know, foremost uh, site for knowledge, I guess.
1: Sure. But, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a, I'm a chap here, and because uh, I was, like, reading this, I'm like, this doesn't sound like this guy at all, but it was Toby Keith I was thinking of, who, uh, yeah, is, is, like, country, and then some, he's, like, a parody of country. He's so, so like, uh, you know, hardcore.
0: Oh, yeah. So my guess is... Uh, Oh, he refers to himself as a blue dog Democrat. That's funny. That's what they used to say about my grandmother. And I asked about that once and they said and my mom said it's uh, it refers to if uh, the Democrats ran a blue dog for uh, a, uh, you know, an office, she'd vote for that. So like just voting for Democrat, no matter what, uh, no matter if they're good or bad, which I always viewed as a really stupid ideology.
1: But there's there's, I think there's a majority of our country who does that, to be honest with you.
0: Oh, I agree. But um, yeah, so apparently he's a Democrat. And I'm guessing what he's saying is, hey, people of Tennessee, where I'm from, and people of Texas who like my music, uh, vote for Democrats, even if um, even if you're not really a Democrat, because I hate Donald Trump. That's I that's my guess as to what this headline means.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not like, you know, super like, you know, wow, he said this, he's just saying, you know, get out and vote and vote your conscience, you know, because I mean, obviously, there's a lot of people with the current president who voted for him because he was a Republican, you
0: know, mm-hmm.
1: and that's essentially what he's saying is, hey, you know what I always do? Don't do that.
0: Right. Exactly. But no, I, I, I guess I do. I guess I do. Um, I don't mind that message. If, if, uh if celebrities are going to use their platform to advance their political stances which apparently is what they want to do uh now um i guess that's the least offensive cuz he's not saying vote for yeah. vote for a republican or vote for a democrat or vote for the green party or vote for libertarian or or whatever he's just saying vote your conscience vote what what you think is the best thing so uh, yeah know.
1: that's i mean that's really what you should do yeah. as a voter
0: exactly so yeah, I guess that's fine. Um,
1: so he's probably not gonna be sold in Walmart anymore for those uh, violent comments he made there. <laughs> exactly.
0: I can't wait till Trump starts tweeting about him. Tim McGraw's a loser.
1: His father didn't even love him. <laughs> oh
0: god. He really could get him on that.
1: Sad. Uh it is that's my favorite. With the uh, those tweets, is when he adds like one word at the end, like telling people how to feel. Yeah, like for those who weren't like you know quite clever enough to catch on to the subtleness uh, in the earlier part, <laughs> you should be sad. <laughs> Unfair.
0: Yeah, he's quite the uh, he. He is quite the expert at Twitter.
1: Oh, oh God. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Um, this next headline. Also, I'm glad that I'm glad that Tim McGraw is not Toby Keith. How about that? Yeah. Good for him. Me too. It was like, yeah, one of the stand ups that uh Greg Giraldo was at, like the roast uh Tim McGraw mm-hmm. T- Toby Keith, my, my apologies. <laughs> like he, he like he's like, Oh he's new he, he roasted him a bit and it was it was hilarious. You should definitely look for that. Uh Greg Giraldo and Toby Keith.
0: Yeah, the late Greg Giraldo.
1: The late great G- Greg Geraldo. Yeah,
0: very, very funny comedian.
1: My opinion, the top roaster of all the Comedy central roasts of all time.
0: I think so, too. Yeah. Although,
1: although, if you were to limit to the top performance, the top performance would obviously be uh, Norm McDonald's. Uh, yes. <laughs> I guess he was uh, told to do something shocking, and he thought that would be the most shocking thing of all, to just you know use like the lamest joke. Like, jo- he claims it's from a book his father gave him, but yeah. I don't know if that's true or not.
0: You've got a lot of well-wishers here, and a lot of them would like to throw you down one. A well. They want to murder you in a well, it says on this card.
1: <laughs> what I think is funny is I, re- I heard like an interview uh, later with uh, Jim Norton, who was on that roast, mm-hmm. and he still didn't get what was happening. He's like, yeah, he told all these really weird old jokes. <laughs> if you're a professional comedian, you should know what's going on.
0: Here. Yeah, oh, I thought it was The first time I saw it, I was dying laughing. I thought it was hilarious.
1: Yeah, it was, it was great. His- Especially how you could tell he, he wins a crowd over throughout the
0: Yeah. One of his best lines too wasn't even during his performance. He's just sitting there reading a paper, and then someone references it, and he goes, "I wanted to read yeah, something funny, Jim so Morton. I'm reading Marmaduke."
1: <laughs> <laughs> or I think it was Jim Norton who goes, uh, "He goes, oh, it was uh, it was great to see, uh, you know, Henry um, Henry <laughs> Foster up there, or I can't remember who I can't remember the actor. I think it was."
0: Yeah, where he's like, um,
1: where he's F- like, Henry, F- Henry Fonda, yeah, that's
0: Yeah, it's like watching, he- like Norm's set was like watching Henry Fonda pick apples or something like that. And he goes, hey, hey, I don't know a person here who wouldn't love to see Henry Fonda picking <laughs> apples. Yeah, that was great. Uh, I know, I'm the best.
1: watching right after this. Mm-hmm. Oh, that clip you showed me of him doing the uh, poker commentary, it was, it, was, it, was, it was great. Oh,
0: it's so fu- I, I still remember watching that for the first time um, and think kind of thinking, I mean, not in, in nearly as funny of uh, a way, but thinking sort of along the same lines as Norm MacDonald was thinking. Because there's, uh, for those of you that have never seen it, Norm MacDonald uh, did audio or, uh, poker commentary on season seven of High Stakes Poker, which you can see on YouTube. They finally released them on YouTube, but... He, uh, one of the millionaires that's playing, says that uh, he had he had cancer and he beat it. And Barry Greenstein, who's a professional poker player and a f- good friend of Doyle Brunson, says, "Well, you know, uh, Doyle beat cancer uh, back when they didn't beat cancer." <laughs> and I remember thinking, "I'm like, what is he? Is he trying to one up this guy's cancer story?" <laughs> I, I think he was. And Norm McDonald just <laughs> says, Barry Greenstein pointing out that Doyle Brunson beat cancer back when it meant something. <laughs> <laughs> which is just fucking hilarious
1: that's like a perfect setup for norm to that whole like sequence absolutely
0: oh yeah norm is the best yeah
1: so uh anyways this one is justin bieber how do i drew one question mark on a new motorcycle three exclamation points I'm not sure what "how do I drew" means. That is the mystery part of this for me. I understand what a new motorcycle is, and I kind of know who Justin Bieber is.
0: Yeah, I. Justin Bieber is a uh, uh, Canadian singer. A
1: singer, I think.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't know what "how do I drew" means, though. Ah, uh, um, how do I drew? What would that mean? Um. Oh, okay, wait. I may have found the answer. Uh, I believe Drew is the name of the, the brand motorcycle. of motorcycle.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. that's That makes sense.
0: How do I Drew? So I guess it's like, you know, how do you do? It's a play on that, I guess. I
1: guess, yeah. It's
0: like Although Jeff- I didn't
1: hear, some, did hear something the other day. Didn't he, like, challenge Tom Cruise to a fight? That would be, like, the best thing ever. Oh, God.
0: I don't know, but I think Tom Cruise would beat the fuck up.
1: <laughs> See, I also think Tom Cruise would win because they're both kind of smaller, you know.
0: Yeah, and Tom Cruise, you know, he works out a lot.
1: But he's he's got to be in excellent shape, you know, especially for his age to be able to do like, he does a lot of his own stunts and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of him, you know, I don't, I'm not a big fan of his movies or anything, but I mean, I do respect the effort he puts in to, you know, do what he does.
0: For sure, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I don't love a lot of his movies, but I do I do respect him. I think it's funny that that story is basically just Justin Bieber bought a motorcycle.
1: <laughs> yeah, and his wife took a picture.
0: Go, so is, he's married. I didn't even know that. Good for him.
1: Um, Amy Baldwin, which I think is uh, Stephen Baldwin's daughter. I don't know.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: The, I know uh, a lot about this because I'm always on Yahoo, and they won't shut the fuck up about this. Stephen this, Baldwin's uh, the crazy one. Well, yes.
0: And so is Alec Baldwin.
1: <laughs> uh, yes,
0: in a different way, but they're both crazy.
1: I was listening to this. Uh, this like Steve Harvey was roasting or his monologue at a NFL ceremony. Mm-hmm. They called Alec Baldwin Alex Baldwin. Like, <laughs> like you're in show business. You should know this, Steve Harvey. Alex Baldwin. <laughs> uh,
0: I just love how, you know. <laughs> Just, Alec Baldwin's head has gotten so huge, and I don't know if it's alcoholism or just his, if his ego is taking over his entire brain. <laughs> oh God.:
1: The best part of this whole uh, motorcycle thing, though, also he has like multiple cars behind him, like a Lamborghini with like the doors up because you know that's necessary. Right. Um, but the best part about it is there's a number on it. He, his favorite number, six is apparently, is on the bike. So he he's he's what's he, he he's a racer. Wow! He bought a motorcycle, so he's a racer. he's a motorcycle racer now. Good
0: for him! I can't wait until he uh, starts telling us about global warming too.
1: Or uh, pulls a Gary Busey
0: with his nine car. Oh yeah! Uh poor Gary Busey. Sometimes I yeah. feel bad for him because his brains were just so addled by that accident.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know.
0: That uh, was tragic. The best, uh, the best part of both Predator Two and Point Break.
1: Yes, yes, and uh, uh, Under Siege. Oh yeah, Another well, classic. Well, for uh, young men like myself, for in their early teens that movie came out, we'll say that was the second best part of that movie. Yep.
0: Oh, I know where you're going. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other uh, any other hot stories on TMZ? Did they Did they catch anyone in the bathroom?
1: Uh, no, but I just—the next story has a headline that's uh, about to make me uh, blow my top. It's uh, a <laughs> Roman Pol- starts Roman Polanski. That's never good.
0: <laughs> Bad way to start a story.
1: Denied by the Oscars. Three periods. You're a freaking fugitive. Three exclamation points.
0: The the thing I think is best about that is the fact that you said blow my top. <laughs> but. Uh, so, so
1: this, this this whole subject makes me very angry very quickly. So maybe maybe we'll get through it.
0: What what? Okay, so he's denied by the Oscars. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess. Yeah, I guess
1: I guess he's kicked out of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, how much science is really there? Yeah, agreed. Special effects, I guess, but that's still art. Yeah, you're not fucking, you're not fucking curing the cancer cure with a uh, Oscar.
0: So, you know, it's funny because I don't remember how many years ago it was, but his...
1: It, it was too soon ago is how long ago it was. Let me let me look this up, Mark. Go ahead. Yeah, his
0: film uh, won an Oscar. Uh, obviously, he wasn't there because he would have been arrested if he had. For those of you that don't know, Roman Polanski uh, raped a 50-year-old uh, after taking pictures of her um, in his uh in but it's his okay. House. His wife was murdered yeah that's true. you know he gets a free pass because his wife was murdered uh
1: and, and knock it off <laughs>
0: uh and if by all accounts statutory rape, I guess although when you're when you're a big famous director and you're taking pictures of an underage girl in your bedroom while she's on her bed, I mean you know it's probably a little more than statutory rape. hey, I can put you in the movies, you know. Fucking Yeah, but anyway, so they gave him a standing ovation when his movie won an Oscar, uh, you know, when he wasn't there because he was in Italy where he's been hiding out ever since because he'd be arrested if uh, he ever came back to the United States. And now, you know, since people have come forward and said, hey, um, you know, I know you guys for a long time thought that it was okay to sexually molest and rape uh, women, but guess what? It's not. So, uh, you know, now get rid of Roman Polanski. So they've completely changed their tune. It's this is the most hypocritical thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, obviously they should expel him, but I remember when they gave him a standing ovation, I was sickened by the entire thing. I'm like, hey. why are they why are they, you know, uh applauding a rapist?
1: Yeah, okay. I, I did you look hopefully you didn't look this up. Do you know when he was removed from the Academy of uh, Motion Picture Arts and Sciences? Mm, no. All right. I'm mean, gonna want you to guess. I think your answer will be not soon. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, I'll say he was expelled in 2000 and
0: 2014. and fourteen. Two thousand and
1: eighteen. Jesus. May May of two thousand eighteen, like a year and a month ago. So I'm like, okay, that's wrong.
0: Oh my god. Yeah, he he committed this uh crime in
1: 1978 by the way. For- so, was it for the 40th year anniversary they decided? Apparently. Happy anniversary, Robin. <laughs> oh my god.
0: 2018, great. So, I guess he was trying to sue and uh they're saying well you can't sue us for expelling you because uh you're a fugitive. Great. So, uh yeah. Just more hypocrisy oh, in Hollywood.
1: Weird. Yeah, um, did uh, have you ever seen any Roman Clancy movies? I've only seen one. It was uh, the Ninth Gate with uh, Johnny Depp.
0: I've seen Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown.
1: Oh yeah, I, did, I forgot he did Chinatown. it down. I, it's kind of weird that he like kind of moved like genres around. I mm-hmm. guess. But um, yeah, I mean, th- it was okay, but it was I, I kind of felt weird watching it because I'm like, yeah, I, 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 but that was, I mean, I, I don't think, no, I think I knew what exactly what he had done, but I'm like, it's kind of a weird like you know compromise we make. It's like, well, I really, uh, I really against uh, people imprisoning uh, women for sexual purposes, but R. Kelly does make some really good music when he wants to. <laughs>
0: It's like the whole Michael Jackson thing, you know.
1: And, and you, well, I never, I'm, I, that's, I'm never a fan of Michael Jackson's music, so it's kind of lame.
0: Yeah, I'm not a fan of of his either, but there are so many people that are willing to give him a free pass uh, sure. because of that. And, you know, it's the same thing with like Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley, uh, you know, married an underage woman. Um, and, uh, what's his name? Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, you know, like, I think it was Stephen Merchant that pointed it out on Norm MacDonald's show uh, on YouTube that they took down, which I'm still sad about. But, um, you know, if you reach a certain level of fame, then you're just immune from this
1: stuff. Uh, Yeah, it's really it's really weird like that. Yeah, I feel that if you look too deeply into anything is involving like the entertainment industry, you're just going to be creeped out. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, for example, do like the Godfather movies. Yeah, well, uh, Francis uh, Ford Coppola was associated with this guy named um, Victor Salva. Okay, he directed this movie called Clownhouse back in the eighties, and uh, he was shortly arrested thereafter for filming filming the uh, young boy performing oral sex at him who starred in the movie.
0: Oh God,
1: and he was he was like kind of like an up and cover in you know um, Francis Ford Coppola, you know, was like, oh, you know, I'll put you in this, you know, I'll put you as an assistant director here, and he kind of like helped groom him like to be like a tra-
0: Mm hmm.
1: So then, uh, you know, a few years later, maybe maybe less than 10. I'm pretty sure it's less than 10. He's let out of prison and he goes on to direct a movie called uh, Powder. Have you seen Powder?
0: Oh, yes, I have seen Powder.
1: Do you know who uh, who's a producer on the movie Powder? I'm going to guess Francis Ford Coppola. That would be a correct guess.
0: Oh, wow. After getting out of prison, he's still the guy. Oh, my God. I'm reading about it, too pled guilty to lewd and lascivious conduct oral sex with a person under 14 Jesus Christ He was sentenced to 3 years which by the way there there's problems there when that's a 3 year sentence uh, and he served 15 months completed his parole in 1992 what's the parole for that hey did you uh did you force any boys to uh, give you oral sex today no all right Right. He apparently he also wrote and directed Jeepers Creepers, which I've also seen.
1: Oh yeah, I was I was just say he did Jeepers Creepers as well, which and Jeepers Creepers and Powder both basically are movies that feature young men without shirts on.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: Like, I don't think I don't think Jeepers Creepers one was that so much, but I saw previews for the second one, and there's like an entire bus of like high school kid all boys team with no shirts on.
0: The entire plot of the movie Jeepers Creepers is this weird entity wants this boy. And and Francis Ford Coppola executive produced it again. Jesus Christ, Coppola. Oh. Yeah, so...
1: Oh, it's Victor Selva, I apologize. Uh, not De, I don't know why I thought it was DeSalva, but so, yeah, don't look up anybody named Victor DeSalva. They probably, probably didn't rape someone.
0: Right. Although if they're in Hollywood, they probably did.
1: And if they're friends with uh, Francis Ford Coppola... Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh my god. Well, I guess yeah, it, I guess his wine is a good
1: aphrodisiac. Oh no! What's <laughs> uh, uh, kind of messed up is the uh, Victor Salva's uh, Wikipedia. I'm pretty sure the picture is a mugshot. It might not be, but it looks very mugshot esque. It, it does.
0: I'm looking at it right now. and It really. But does. since
1: but since he's like a director, one of the categories says years active. <laughs> 1986 to present.
0: Oh yeah, I'm sure. Oh my god. And then some. I, I love, I, I do kind of love that the very first line of the Wikipedia, though, is uh, Victor Ronald Salva is an American filmmaker and convicted sex offender.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that they, that should definitely be in the title. Like, you know, like when you do like a retraction of the paper, sometimes it'll be way like at the end, you know, mm-hmm. like on oh, section G, but like they should be required to put it right up at the beginning, you know, so if someone's like a a world famous comedian, television, movie and are Jell O Pudding Salesman, and a raper. <laughs> that should have to be the same sit
0: Yep. Serial rapist and Jell-O Pudding Pop uh spokesman.
1: Oh God. To be fair, at least uh Jell-O uh was was way out of the picture when the allegations came up. That I would I would true. think they would have dropped.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah I'm sure that they I'm sure that they would have uh not uh uh associated with him after that. Oh, all right.
1: Hey, that- we are done with that sex. We're, oh, we're done with that. Right.
0: So, well, we're going to do a promo now. <laughs> we set it up nicely uh for you guys. Um I don't remember who we're doing, but uh we record this live, of course. So,
1: oh. well, uh, I'm sorry. Wait, wait so quick some clarification. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola did not produce uh powder as far as i can tell all
0: right well he definitely produced cheaper scrapers
1: yeah yeah. although unfortunately uh i I just found out that lance hendrickson one of my favorite actors in that so uh, that that that's a sad part
0: that is sad i love lance hendrickson you know without further ado (laughs) here is uh a promo for someone i'm michael the host of the semi-monthly podcast In a City Like Yours. Join me as I chat with interesting people with interesting life stories. You can listen to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You can follow us on Twitter at I-A-C-L-Y-S podcast, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at In a City Like Yours podcast. Please feel free to let me know what you think. And keep coming back for the many interesting stories in a city like yours. Well that sounds like a really great podcast. Um very detailed too, their uh their promo there. So good.
1: I, I agree.
0: Good for them. Go go listen to go listen to uh him or her and or his or, or his or her co host um, or three people talk about all the stuff that they talk about on that podcast. Check
1: out their spit on it.
0: And now, uh, we will talk about, or our, his or her. we will talk about our main topic for the day, which is good omens. Episode two. Uh, the book is the name of this episode. Mike, what did you think of, uh, the second installment of good omens?
1: I felt that it was another strong episode. I liked it from the beginning. Um, this one, see, I've actually gone ahead because I like the show so much. I might be confused on which episodes which, to a mm-hmm. small degree, but this is one that opens up with the uh, the story of Agnes. I forget her last name, the uh, the famous witch. Yeah, Agnes Nutter. As which is kind of like a neat, like a trick at the beginning, like you know, this uh, this. Um, Puritan witch hunter type is uh, whose name is some ridiculous name. It's like he who has witnessed adultery, or it's, it's just some bizarre name.
0: Yeah, thou it shalt just, not commit adultery, her
1: Yeah, that's right. That seems like a very British, like you know, joke there. Yeah, and like how Monty Python has like, oh, let's make a bunch of funny words together. That's hilarious. It's like, okay, whatever.
0: I want to point out that Agnes Nutter is played by a friend of the show, uh, Josie Lawrence.
1: That's very true. Uh, I feel that she she made the whole episode myself. Absolutely.
0: Um, But, yeah, so it opens up with that, and she is actually a witch um, and has the, you know, all the powers of a witch, which I'm not sure exactly what they are, but
1: she can definitely,
0: she's cured people of diseases. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that, that's great. How they, everything they list, it was like a beneficial thing.
0: Yeah. First, she was telling people that they should run uh, in the morning so that they can live longer. They need more fiber in their diet. She's cured people of diseases, and she can tell the future. Yeah. So, and everything that she was trying to do to, like in telling the future is beneficial. Like, she, right. uh, at one point, she writes in December of... 1980, uh, an apple will rise, which no man can eat, Uh, invest in Jobs' machine, and you will have uh, great benefit or something like
1: that. Yeah, it was just so specific.
0: (laughs) Um, And The Voice of God, Francis McDormand, tells us that it's the only book in history uh, of predictions in which every prediction uh, is 100% accurate. Um And she yeah. knew that the, she was going to be killed. So be- yeah. because she knew she was going to be killed, she packed her dress with gunpowder and uh roofing nails.
1: <laughs> it's like a ridiculous amount. It was like 80 pounds worth total or something. So I was like, how much how many roofing nails does she have? Because the, mm-hmm. the explosion is ridiculous. Yeah, so when, is, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, you.
0: When they light her on fire, there's a giant explosion and all the people are killed. Um, she, you know she bades them to to gum come, come closer to see what happens when mortals try to interfere in uh you know matters that they don't understand, which I think is sort of a warning um to uh you know people that you know human beings that might be trying to stop this uh, Armageddon that we know is happening because of the eleven year old boy adam um and uh you know I wonder if it extends to uh as a Raphael and uh, Crowley uh, or not, because they're not human beings they're you know they're de- one's a demon and one's an angel, so they're you know eternal type creatures um but they're you know it's funny too because I haven't gone ahead yet, but I'm really loving this show, and I keep getting the sense throughout the whole thing that those two are basically going to cause Armageddon while they're trying to stop it. <laughs> that like everything they're doing is bringing it closer and closer to happening. So I don't know if I'm right on that or not. Since you've gone ahead, maybe you know a little bit more. But um, that's sort of the uh, sense no, unfortunately,
1: uh, unfortunately, when I go ahead, I'm usually drinking. So I'll just wake up at some point and I have no idea what I missed. <laughs> so, I, I, so it takes me like twice the time to watch. What, so I'm only on like episode four, I think, that I'm really aware of what's going on. Okay. But I'm pretty sure I've watched the whole series a couple times.
0: <laughs> that is the fun thing about drinking and watching TV. I'm pretty sure I've seen it all a few times, but I'm going to keep going back till I get it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the that happens, she gets killed, and then um, we flash, what happens after that? We flash forward, and you know, it's the I think I think we just go straight to um, the two the two descendants. So we go to one of yeah. Agnes Nutter's descendants uh, who's named Anathium Device.
1: And she's kind of like scribbling onto the the uh, the book of uh, prophecies when we first encounter her because she's probably like eight, maybe if that'll something
0: like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so she's like, and then like her mother's like telling her about the book. And then uh, i does she quiz her on the book at that point? I don't remember exactly.
0: She kind of, yeah, she does. She asks her about, um, she asks her about, you know, it's like she reads off prophecy numbers and says, you know, what they are. And the Steve Jobs one is one. And she's like, that's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. And they're in a giant house in Malibu. And she said, right. you know, your grandmother uh, bought fifty thousand shares of uh, Apple uh, when it came out, based on this prophecy, and that's worth four hundred million dollars today, or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think it was. I think she bought five thousand shares, and it was forty million. Yeah. yeah, regardless, it's a pretty impressive sum from a prophecy.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. So for those of you that don't know, uh, anathema uh, means uh, something or someone. That, uh, that someone vehemently dislikes, and it's also a, a, formal, a formal curse uh, by a, a pope or someone else uh, associated with the Catholic Church excommunicating a, a person or denouncing a certain doctrine. So that's what anathema means, and she's uh, anathema device. <laughs> so uh, definitely, uh, you know, they thought about that name uh, when they were writing this down.
1: Yeah, sure. there's, there's some fun parts of this one, too. Um, at the very beginning, uh, I, I think I have this in the wrong order. Well, I, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't skip ahead. We, we also meet the uh, the ancient descendant or the descendant of uh, the, the witch hunter that killed Agnes. Uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, his last name is Pulsifer. I can't remember what the guy's first name is.
0: I don't remember. Either. I think it's just John. I think it's something really generic. So,
1: yeah, something like that. Yeah, but he's, he's a... He's, he's fascinated by computers, but for some reason, whenever he touches one, it kind of, like, explodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like a, and so, like, we find he's, like, a computer engineer, and he has a job at a new place. And he's trying to be able to do his job without actually touching the computers, which makes no sense, of course. Right. And so, and as soon as, you know, they're like, no, you have to touch them. So, basically, as soon as he does, the entire block's power goes out. hmm I think they either leave or they kick him off. Because we, see him, we see him with his box, like, walking out of the street.
0: Yeah, and we learn that his car's name is Dick. Yeah. And uh, some some uh, pretty lady walks by and says uh, goodbye, Dick, or something like that. And he says, oh, that's not my name. It's the car's name. You can ask me why. And she just walks away. Right. Um, but yeah, I
1: imagine th- it must short out on a lot of the electrical components.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. They were talking about some sort of team building exercise there uh, that that comes up later in the episode. Uh, but he gets fired before the team building exercise, obviously. Um, and then he wanders through uh, the park and he sees the great Michael McKeon. Uh,
1: so I, did, I didn't even realize that it was Michael McKeon, if like at all, I'm I'm like, where's I then I read later. He's in the show. And then I'm like, that must be him. And then sure enough, it was because he really just like disappears into the world.
0: Yeah. He is an excellent, excellent actor. And he was on, for those of you who are friends or fans of better call Saul, he was on better call Saul as Saul's older brother. Um, uh, James. He's been in a
1: lot of stuff. He, he's, I think his first big role was Lenny or Squiggy. I, I don't know which one on uh, Lenny and Squiggy. Yeah. Yeah.
0: He was, uh, I think he was, yeah, he was Lenny. He was Lenny and Laverne and Shirley.
1: Yeah. So he was, uh, but he was also, he played a, a pretty uh, pretty good recurring character in The X Files called um, shit, Morris Fletcher, I think. He was mm-hmm. a man in black. He was in quite yeah. a few episodes. He's really, I mean, he's always been good on everything I've seen him in. Wasn't he in a lot of the Christopher Guest movies as well?
0: Yeah, he's a friend of Christopher Gaston. Gaston. He's uh, he's been a lo- in a lot of his films too. He, he's I, I I think he's uh, fantastic. I like him a lot.
1: And yeah, I'm sure my wife would uh, yell at me if I didn't mention that he was in the uh, Brady Bunch movie.
0: Yes, that's right. He was.
1: He's kind of weird. He seems like he's like he's he seems like he's open to any kind of role, even if he like it's like you know a paycheck kind of thing. Even like you know he's mm-hmm. like, well, if it's bad, I'll still be in it. I'll be good because he, he's good. He's good in that movie. It's not a terrible movie, but it's like you know obviously like a. Like a movie that's not going to win any Oscars.
0: Right. But yeah, he definitely, he gives it his all in in any role that he's in. He's a true professional. And uh, yeah, so he he's in this and he plays a, he's not a general and he's not a colonel or a major or a captain. He skips lieutenant for some reason, but uh,
1: he is. I think a, it's a different rank in uh, in England. Like it, it's like, that be. would be over a uh, major. I don't know. Maybe it's a naval rank.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's possible. But uh, but he's a sergeant uh, witch hunter and and the highest ranking one left, and so he he tells he talks to uh, to Pulsiver and basically says uh, you know come here at, at ten o'clock and uh, you know we'll start going over things, um, but you know he he's clearly hunting witches and uh, Anathema device goes to England. They ask her why she. Tells them the exact reason that an ancient prophecy has drawn her there to forestall the end of days and all this stuff. And the woman at the, you know, the equivalent, the British equivalent of the TSA just says, what? And she goes, uh, vacation. So she's there looking for Adam, who she finds, but doesn't identify as the Antichrist. Just kind of talks to him and his friends for, for a minute. Uh, but she- because
1: he he's not really coming off you know with any kind of evil type vibes you know right in spite of how they they in spite of how they tried to raise the one they thought was Antichrist you know Adam actually grew up in a pretty loving family you know and has a lot of close friends who like him and say he's creative you know he's he's not evil at all from what we
0: yeah and as they point out uh, I believe it's Crowley that points it out. That um suspicion, like he's got some sort of cloak where suspicion just kind of rolls off of him, people don't suspect him of of things, and I think that's kind of part of what's going on there with the with the witch as well um but so the yeah. w- the witch is there, and the witch hunter is there, so you know we can kind of see probably where this is going, although it doesn't happen in this episode, but they're beautifully building a lot of different threads with different characters and i like how we focus on uh different characters and really kind of get to know them uh each episode so far that's uh that's another thing that really builds a lot of important ties uh for the audience to to different people
1: the other thing i I noticed uh from a couple of parts here that just came in like how you mentioned how um and and a was ready to go through the you know checkpoint and also earlier how um at the very beginning Agnes uh, has like a, basically like a, a suicide bomb on her like these are parts that are obviously written before like 9/11
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they just they just didn't alter them it's kind of interesting i mean i wonder if they just didn't bother to or they didn't think it would be offensive or if enough time has passed that like people are like okay that doesn't automatically make me I wonder if there's like almost like a national PTSD we have after certain things and then after about an average amount of time, where the, where the you know the average person's over, it's like okay, we can talk about that.
0: Yeah, I think people probably make nine eleven jokes now, so I guess it's I guess yeah, enough they're, times. They're past. almost
1: they're almost not even like you know shocking anymore. Yeah, I mean, at least on the uh, you know the comedians I listen to and that sort of thing, it's like yeah, okay, you know we we don't happen. It's it's not you know it's not as sh- obviously it's not uh, Gilbert Godfrey level shocking where he made a nine eleven joke like two days after it happened. Yeah.
0: God. Gilbert Gottfried, you know, like Norm's my favorite comedian. Gilbert Godfrey's up there uh, for me. Yeah,
1: he's he's. I mean, I don't think he gets enough credit. I think people mostly know him from like the terrible acting he does in movies. Mm-hmm. Like, he's his stand up is like beyond reproach. It's it's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah, he is a, a, a and fearless. That's one of the things that yeah, I love yeah, about his comedy is he is fearless.
1: And he'll say the most offensive thing to the person who would be most offended by it, and just that's part of. He's, 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 he's joking on like a much higher level than anyone. Really.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Like the only person he cares whether or not he makes laugh is himself, which I think ultimately is really what you are should be going for.
0: Yep. I agree. Totally agree. Um, but yeah, like, uh, they mentioned at one point and, and I thought about this too, about how this was, you know, obviously the book was written, uh, you know, quite a while ago but um they mention like Fell and crowley both mention that they have networks of human beings that work for them and they don't we don't see them in this episode um but they both say that they are a little kind of out there and on the fringes politically uh and they'll get their network of people to look for uh, the Antichrist. And it made me think of how polarized people are now politically in the country, where, you know, there's a lot of people that identify as, you know, fairly far right. And there's a lot of people that identify as fairly far left. And they fight each other all the time online and, and you know everywhere else. I see sometimes people getting into screaming matches even uh, just kind of out in public that start talking to each other. And it made me think of that even though this was written in a time when that really wasn't the case. Because you said like 1990 or so, right?
1: Yeah, it's very early nineties at the at the latest. So I'd, I'd say if it was written in ninety three or ninety four, I'd be like, That's earlier really, you know, way later than I-.
0: Yeah, so I mean there was some political stuff going on, but most people really back in the early nineties didn't even like didn't even really think about politics that much and um and obviously weren't nearly as polarized as we are now. But it made me think of that like, wow, they wrote this back then but it really kind of hooks up with with what's going on today. Now I don't know if that's what they're going to do with these two groups um but you know I, I don't, it gave me that sort of idea. Um the other thing that happens at the beginning is uh the four horsemen of the apocalypse are talked about and they they mention how they outsource. Um they outsource uh the job of summoning the four horsemen of the apocalypse and we see a courier delivering a sword to war who uh is at uh, who is in the guise of a world reporter uh a, a pretty redheaded female uh reporter and her sword gets delivered to her and you can see her sort of psychically kind of uh interrupting these peace accords that are supposed to be happening in the middle east um because Who's going to sign first? Who's going to sign the treaty first? That's what uh, gets them to start pulling guns out and killing each other. Um, but it's clear, yeah, yeah. It's clearly her influence.
1: Yeah, so she just walks away, you know, a sword over her back is like they just kill each other. Mm-hmm.
0: I guess we should. Yeah, I was just gonna say. I guess we should point out too, because we haven't mentioned him at all. Because he was in the first episode and this episode. But uh, John Hamm plays Gabriel, uh, the angel.
1: Yeah, that, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, that was a fun scene too.
0: Yeah, where he's talking about. He goes into the bookstore and he wants to talk to him privately. So he says, uh, "Let's talk privately about my purchase. We're going to purchase pornography." And he's just like, just screaming it at the top of his lungs, and uh, the. The guy with him, I can't remember that the angel's name, but he uh, was responsible for Sodom and Gomorrah, I guess. Um, he uh, he says uh, something like uh, along the lines of, "Oh, we humans are are so uh, embarrassed easily. We we need to buy our pornography in private." And then, <laughs> and then John M says, "Oh, these humans are so easy to fool and everything." And and Michael Sheen just has this knowing look on his face. He's like, "Yeah, you really fooled him." <laughs> uh I yeah, that's, the, So
1: far his character is pretty hilarious. Uh he plays Gabriel, I
0: believe. Mm-hmm. Yep. He like perfect casting too for just like because he has that even even after Mad Men, which I didn't really watch that much, it just he's got that voice and that look where Kind of any role that he's in, he sort of seems sort like kind of sophisticated and removed. Like he can do that really well, and that's sort of how if angels were you know real and everything, which I guess they might be. Um, that's how uh, that's how I would imagine an archangel to be like, just kind of like above it all and removed.
1: Yeah, you would think so.
0: Uh, so where where do we go from here, Mike? I'm trying to remember.
1: Also, i like to point out that uh, I, I did look it up, and Crowley actually is the correct pronunciation of the name.
0: Okay. Crowley.
1: Even Alester Crowley. I mean, obviously, you know, the character's name could be whatever they wanted to be, but Aliester oh. Crowley was Crowley.
0: Yeah, I think the American actors call him Crowley, and the British actors call him Crowley.
1: It could be. I never uh, noticed that, to be honest with you. I
0: think there's only a couple American actors, but they, I think... So far, they've all called him Crowley, but everyone else calls him Crowley. So I'm guessing it's a pronunciation thing between uh, England and the United States. But since it's an English name, I'll go with the English pronunciation. Great. So after this, uh, after that opening scene and we meet uh, the two descendants, then we go to, I guess this is where, uh, Er, uh, Er, uh, what's his, I had his name for a minute too uh Azazel Era, Era and Crowley uh basically Yeah, Azazel. Yeah, as a Raphael, that's right. They basically you know like say to each other maybe the baby got you know switched at the uh, uh you know on an accident at the they basically they figure out what happened. So they go to the the former church to try to figure out what's going on.
1: Yeah, and then we see that it's now a, a paintball uh, arena. Mm-hmm. We see this because when uh, when Crowley and Fail uh-huh. i don't know if I'll read that—show up, uh, they're shot, and this makes no sense because it looks red on. Uh, I believe it looks red on um, on on Phil's, uh jacket, but it looks blue on uh, Crowley or the. Vice versa.
0: I think it's the vice versa of that. But, yeah, I noticed which, which that, doesn't too. Make any,
1: it doesn't make any sense. Because, I mean, it's like, oh, shit, it's red. But then it's like, oh, it's obviously not red. But, like, that that doesn't, I mean, unless they were shot by multiple people.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't guess. get that
1: either. Which doesn't make sense. But, uh yeah, one of them approaches them. And I we see it's, you know, obviously someone with a paintball gun. And Crowley possibly murders them. I'm not sure what happens there exactly. He turns they're, they're at least some knocked some demon. Out. He, like he'd be, like, for a second, you see, uh, like, a demon, like, seems like it's coming out of his body. Mm-hmm. And then the person, like, either, like, dies of a heart attack or passes out. I'm not sure. They never... I don't think they ever clarify what happened.
0: No, they don't.
1: Another part that... I'm sorry, go ahead. No,
0: I was just going to say, this is, the, this is the team-building exercise that they talked about earlier. They're all fighting with paintballs. And at one point, Crowley basically casts a spell to where they're using real guns <laughs> and Michael Sheen says, So, you know, they're killing each other out there, and we see one of them get shot in the chest, like point blank in the chest. And he goes, No, they're all they're all surviving uh with um what does he say they're all miraculously surviving with like last second things or whatever Uh, it wouldn't be any fun either way which is so funny because he is a demon and he's supposed to be evil but he continues to show signs that he's not really pure evil
1: right and it's just as um as Arafel shows he's not purely good because you know they uh they oh shit you know I, i i'm trying to think uh this is the episode where Anathema she sees him. Is that correct? I don't want to yeah. spoil it because I have seen on this.
0: Yeah, that's right.
1: <laughs> and then so they and so they kind of hit her with a car, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. I, I, I wasn't sure if it was this episode or the next one.
0: Yep, it's this one. And
1: so he, he, he so he's not beyond like, oh, okay, I'll just fix her bike and that'll be fine, you know. And he does heal her as well, I believe.
0: Yeah, he heals her like broken wrist or something.
1: And they have like little references, like their ability, like powers or whatever. Like he makes it light so you can see, you know, her and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, when he fixes her bike, he overfixes it. So he gets her. She's like, "I didn't have multiple gears." He's like, "Oh, look, it's only got the one gear." Like just <laughs> passing it off as like, "Hey, you're 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 hallucinating." You know, I don't know if that's something a, an angel would normally be expected to do.
0: Right. Yeah, hmm. yeah. He definitely skirts the line for sure.
1: Yeah, and then uh, let's see. After this, I'm trying to, again, I'm, I, I shouldn't have watched them all because I, I'm getting them confused. I'll have to watch the the most recent one before these
0: that's oh, okay but yeah so they hit he hits her with the they hit her with the bike because they they go to that church they see the uh, the one nurse the very confused nurse um from the first episode and she's working there as like a some sort of executive or something at this I think she runs the paintball place basically I think
1: so. yeah I think that's what she
0: is and uh, they ask her about you know switching the baby and she's you know she tells them what she did although she's still confused about it so she doesn't realize that it's the wrong baby and you know they they're like well who could it be so do you have records and she said yeah they were all burned in the fire that uh, those other demons started in episode 1 so they leave they leave there and that's when they that's when Crowley hits uh hits Anathema with his car and they give her a ride back to her house and then the next day, she's sort of, kind of going through everything. Or it might be later that day. It's it's hard to tell because it's light in her in her room in the kitchen. But then when she goes outside, it's dark. So I think right. um, I think it's still just like maybe a couple hours later. But she accidentally right. left her book, the Book of Prophecies from her ancestor, in the car. And someone called too. I forgot to mention this too. Someone calls him earlier early in the episode, uh, Ezra fell, and asks for the book and we don't know who that is but he says you know i don't have a copy of it i'm sorry i can't i can't help you out and so he finds this book and you can see another one of his maybe not as good traits because instead of returning the book to its rightful owner like he probably should he has other books of prophecies first editions signed by by their um by their authors and This is one that he doesn't have. It's like the only copy in existence is kind of what we're led to believe. And he prizes it so much that he wants to keep it. And he starts going through and reading it and seeing all these different prophecies. The first prophecy he goes to... Uh, is basically about him says um, says you know read and understand uh, you know what uh, what's going on and it says your cocoa's getting cold and he looks over and he's got a cup of cocoa that's that's getting cold yeah. and then it shows him kind of reading the rest of the prophecies and and being amazed by it
1: yeah it's kind of like the uh, scene in um in baseball where it's like just overly specific as to what's happening
0: yeah look straight ahead, look ahead, there's a truck, trains, and
1: lanes. Yeah, that's like the exact, you know... Oh, but yeah. Which it's, is weird that she would bother so much to write a prophecy about that one little moment. <laughs> it, wasn't like a, it wasn't like a telephone book, you know. It's, I mean, uh, For some of our younger listeners, a telephone book used to be a listing of uh, numbers, to people's phones, which were attached to walls all the time.
0: Right. And, and for, for uh, again, for our younger listeners, telephone numbers used to be things that you'd have to memorize so that you could call people instead of just hitting their name in your phone. And calling people <laughs> used to be something that people did before texting. Correct. Uh, but, uh, and people are those other <laughs> other entities that you never see anymore. Um, but, uh, yeah, so uh, he, he's going through all the prophecies and everything. Crowley calls him and asks him if he's heard anything about the whereabouts. And he's like, oh, you know, I don't know. I'll call you as soon as I know. And he's looking through the thing and he says, uh, it says something about the, the number of the beast and everything. And he looks up and, you know, he sees... He looks, he goes to goes to the Bible and it says, you know, the number of the beast being uh six, uh, three score and six, 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 six. And the in the prophecy book it says that he's in I think it's Had. it's not Haddonfield, that's from uh Halloween, but it's something like that. Haddon's something or something like that, a small little town in England. So he looks up the the number you know the area code for for that town, and he dials that, and six six six, and he gets through to Adam's dad, so right. <laughs> the six 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 is just referring to a telephone number uh which is 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 funny, but um yeah, so. You know, he calls him and, uh, you know, it says something about the beast standing on hind hind legs. And you can hear in the background uh, Adam saying, look, I got dog to stand up on his hind legs. All right. So he knows, uh, you know, he basically knows exactly where the kid is at this point. That's how the episode ends. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else we left out that kind of happens before that. I think we pretty much covered all of it. Yeah. So another another stellar episode of Good Omens. Um, I like a lot of the things that they're that they're bringing in. They bring a lot of stuff back from episode one. Um, you can clearly see, especially considering that there's a lot of prophecy stuff in this. You know, obviously there's there's a lot of overt um, allusions to religion and things like that um and you know it's sort of it's a comedy obviously it's like a, a black kind of very dry british humor comedy um but you can see you can see a lot of the little the little uh clues and things like that that are um that are popping up and they're starting to get connected a little bit and i assume that more will get connected as as we go along and and there'll be a lot of callbacks to things that happened earlier and this is one of those kind of shows that i really like that has little threads that all get tied together, because yeah. those are really satisfying to me when uh, when an author can do that. Because it's almost like it's the r- written equivalent of juggling, basically, um, where you start a lot of these different threads and then how you, how skillfully you can weave them back together. Uh, you know, it takes a really good writer to be able to to do things like that, and it's very satisfying when it's done really well
1: yeah so far, all the ones I've seen I really enjoy um I'm looking forward to the next one and remembering it
0: <laughs> yeah, the next one is i the next one I'm really looking forward to too as well um I might watch it tonight and then and then watch it again before we before we record uh I'm not sure, but i I like after watching this episode, I really wanted to to get to the next one uh you know as fast as I could because I really am enjoying this movie, so if you haven't. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't checked it out yet and you're listening to this, again, you're crazy people. But um, but uh, go ahead and check it out. Oh, and Carol, uh, real quick. Um, so I watched the second episode. I know you couldn't watch it with me. You should be watching it right now. Uh, well, not right now when you're listening to this, but right now when we're recording this. So you should be watching this two days ago. Um, but tonight, let's watch the third episode together. Uh, I think... We should, uh, I think we should not really have anything going on. Anything you want to say to Alex? No. All right. All right, good. We're, we're all set on that this week. Uh, but that is our episode for the week. Uh, check us out. Like I told you before, tell a friend. That's the most important thing you can do for us. Don't forget
1: our uh, bonus episode where, uh, we were joined by Carol and we, uh, discuss the uh, abbreviated season of a uh, black mirror f- season five. It's yeah. only three episodes. That's so why you said like a one shot thing.
0: Yeah. If you haven't, if you haven't checked that out, go ahead and check that out. Also, uh, coming up. I guess I should mention this. We have a kind of a special event coming up at the very end of this month. I'll tell you more about that probably next week, but we have a, a kind of a cool crossover event that we're doing with another podcast.
1: Hey, and, uh, hey, Mark, yeah. can you tell me about this uh, after after we uh, stop recording? Because I've always wanted to be that guy who gets to hear what happens, you know, when they mention that on I'm, I'm a
0: yeah, yeah, for sure. I'll I'll fill you in on on all the details that no one else gets to hear right now uh afterwards. Nice.
1: <laughs> so only I will know.
0: Um but uh yeah, so tell a friend, rate and subscribe on iTunes that helps us a lot. Uh you know, you don't have to write anything nice about us if you don't want to. Just write whatever your truth
1: is. <laughs> if you're a, uh if you're a convicted rapist looking for a job, uh look for Francis Ford Coppola's address. He'll be able to help you out.
0: Exactly. <laughs> And uh, yeah, you should make it well in Hollywood. But uh, that is our show. We will see you next week. Talk to you later. Bye.
1: See you next time.